0: Please stand as you are able for the reading of today's scripture from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? According to the working of his great power, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you today. Thank you to Joy Sound and to the Sunshine and Jubilation Choir. We are so blessed to be led by such wonderful music this morning and to Dawn for reading our scripture. Uh, I hope you had a really happy Thanksgiving. Um, I'm Reverend Casey Orr. You don't know me yet, many of you. I'm, one, I'm the newest member of our clergy staff here at Brentwood. And I've had the privilege of meeting and getting to know so many of you in these first few months that I've been here. And I've also known many of you since I was a kid. Very soon after moving to Brentwood from Pittsburgh in 1995, my family visited Brentwood United Methodist Church and my parents decided to make it our church home and praise God that they did because this community has shaped my whole life. The pews in this sanctuary were where Wesley's hymns and our theology of grace and holiness got soaked beyond the surface of my skin and deep into my bones. The student ministry and Sunshine Choir is where I fell in love with Jesus. I discerned a call to ministry under the care of Deech and the youth staff and at the feet of Dr. Howard Olds. It was here that I was given my mission as a disciple, and by God's grace, that mission has led me back home. And today is Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday of the church calendar. We have a number of calendars, as you know, that allow us and help us to organize our lives and measure the passing of time, the great Gregorian calendar that we all know and love, January 1st through December 31st. We celebrate New Year's every year. We have academic calendars that have grown to dictate our lives more profoundly, that August through May calendar of school sports calendars of course we're all waiting and anticipating for them to come out looking forward to basketball season dominating our lives and if you unboxed all of your christmas decorations this this weekend and got them down from the attic you opened up maybe your advent calendar that you'll use to count down to christmas the passage of time Marked and measured the church keeps its own calendar marking the passage of time by telling and retelling the story of Jesus life each year retold we start with Advent the longing for a Messiah and the anticipation of Jesus breaking into the world. And then 12 days of Christmas, followed by Epiphany and the coming of the three wise men. Then Lent, when we focus on the sin and brokenness in our lives and our desperate need for a Savior who will bring wholeness. And then wholeness comes on Easter with trumpets and hallelujahs and praise and glory and an orchestra and life defeats death and light conquers darkness. And then 50 days later, we recognize Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit with us in the establishment of the church. And then a long, long, you see it up there, the green, a long season of ordinary time marked by green to symbolize our ongoing growth as disciples following Jesus, which brings us to today, Christ the King Sunday or Reign of Christ Sunday. We celebrate the resolution of all things, Christ taking his seat at the right hand of the Father. The last Sunday of the church year asks us to remember who is Lord of our lives. It is Christ to whom Everything is being ordered and we acknowledge our role as Christ's body in the world in moving creation toward its future complete reconciliation. And so we turn to Ephesians for some instruction. A letter whose primary emphasis is unity, the drawing together of all people under God's grace. This letter is written with the Gentile Christians in mind. Gentiles who were not the first to live in the covenant that God made with Israel, but Gentiles who are now sharing in the promise of the risen Christ. They share now in the promised to the call of the Christ who reigns. And our text today described Christ's kingship this way. God put everything under Christ's feet and made him head of everything in the church, which is his body. His body, the church, is the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. So we, the church today, we, the church here, Share with the Gentiles the promise of the risen Christ. And we also share in the call to live as Christ's body, Christ's only body. Simply put, we share in the call to making Christ the king of our lives. Now Christ the King Sunday was first celebrated in the Roman Catholic Church in 1925, not even a hundred years ago was the first time it was celebrated, originally a response to attempts by governments in Mexico and elsewhere to declare themselves the ultimate authority in every part of the lives of their subjects, even the religions of their subjects, Bishop Robert Barron is the Catholic Bishop of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and he points out that the call is not only to make Christ the king of our faith, not only to make Christ the king of our religion, not only to Christ the king of our Sundays, uh, we're really called to make Christ the king of our whole lives which made me think about the way we handle the passing of time. You know, we have this habit of finishing out a calendar by optimistically anticipating what's to come as the next year begins. You know what? I am sticking to my resolutions this year. I'm getting the gym membership, and I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. This school year is gonna be different. I'm actually going to class. I'm doing my homework. I'm gonna keep up. This year is going to be different. I'm gonna keep my kids and my family organized this year. We're not spiraling into the chaos of overcommitment. Not this year. Everybody's gonna be happy and good this year. My team, my team has a new chance to draft the right players this year. We're not gonna blow it again. We're gonna draft the right players. The end of one year, always drives us to prepare for a new one and the church calendar is no different. So we look ahead at how this year might be a fresh start especially if we really do take the advice of allowing Christ to reign fully in all of our lives every part holding not one bit back. So we start by making Christ the king of our families This week, we celebrated Thanksgiving. We prepped our favorite carb heavy dishes. We wore our stretchy pants. We did it so that there would be room for seconds and maybe even thirds. We went around the table and we said what we were thankful for. And some of you hated that part because by the time it got to you, everybody had taken up the easy answers. We played with our grandchildren and our nieces and our nephews and we delighted in the wonder of childhood. We watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. At my house, we were very excited about the Paw Patrol float. We watched football games and successfully avoided talking about politics. We did it. And at the same time, we remembered those that we have loved and lost We missed those that couldn't be at our tables this year. Their empty seat simply broke our hearts. We quietly grieved while putting on a strong face. We maybe got irritated with a sibling or a parent or a child. We might have felt a little unappreciated for all the work that we did or for how far that we traveled. We bit our tongue when someone maybe said something that just felt a little personal. Family. It is so complicated, and we are called to make Christ the king of our family. Yes, even yours. We make Christ the king of our family when we love them fully, not in spite of who they are, but because of who they are. We make Christ the king of our family when their needs and opinions and passions and hopes are as important to us as our own are to us. We make Christ the king of our family when we take the time to just be with them, to enjoy them, to care for them, to understand them, to make them feel safe being totally who they are with us, to nurture their brokenness and be present in their suffering. We make Christ the king of our family when we see the cross of Christ in the face of our spouse and our children and our parents and our siblings and our in-laws. We make Christ the king of our family. May Christ reign in your family. And we have to make Christ the king of our social life, When my husband, Michael, and I made an offer on our house a few months ago, we had absolutely no idea how blessed we were about to be. The woman who sold her house to us was so generous and as thankful for us as we were for her. She was glad that we had two little children and that we'd be filling her house with lots of life and love and laughter and silliness. So before we even met her, she asked us through our real estate agent if she could leave her dining room furniture with us a beautiful long dining room table with eight chairs and a marble topped buffet and this was the message that she sent with that request she wanted us to carry on the legacy of prioritizing family gathering for celebrations and making memories around that very table That was only one among many gestures of love and generosity that she extended to us. She had made Christ her king. I promise you that. We make Christ the king of our social life when we go out of our way to be kind when we are thoughtful and when we're generous, when we carve out space in our schedules to be present with the friends with whom God has blessed us so greatly. We make Christ the king of our social life when we're active in our community, when we get to know our neighbors, when we open our homes in hospitality, when we find ways to meet the needs of the people in our midst. We make Christ the king of our social lives, When the same can be said of us as was said of the recipients of the letter to the Ephesians, people will hear about our faith in the Lord Jesus and our love for all people. May Christ reign in your social life. We have to make Christ the king of our professional life. We make Christ the king of our professional life when a Christian ethic is what guides our leadership and our decision-making, when we treat customers and patients and clients and students and passengers as beloved children of God, not as obstacles to overcome or vehicles to use, but as a valued person who Christ loves. We make Christ the king of our professional lives when we find a way to make our work a ministry. And if you're not yet in the workplace, then you make Christ the king of your academic life. We make Christ the king of our academic lives when we work with integrity and nurture the minds that God gave us, when we are disciplined and focused, trying to discover what it is that God is revealing to us and the passion and calling and future that God is placing before us, when we understand our education to be an abundant blessing and not a chore or a burden, may Christ reign in your professional and your academic life. We have to make Christ the King also of our inner life. Our minds are the one part of our lives that literally no one can observe. No one knows what you are thinking about as you move about your day. Our minds are ours and they just can't be seen. And so we make Christ the king of our inner lives when we assume the best intentions in others, when we remember the complexity of the lives of our neighbors and we do not jump to conclusions about them. We make Christ the king of our inner lives when we avoid the parts of social media that make us jealous. Or judgmental or angry when we resist the urge to comment we make Christ the king of our inner lives when we expose ourselves to new ideas when we take time to ask questions and learn and grow and understand the world more fully when we read when we listen to podcasts, when we watch a beautiful film, when we listen to a stunning piece of music, we make Christ the king of our inner lives. When we develop practices of prayer that keep us connected to God, when we spend our lives in our open conversation, present with the Lord of our lives, listening for guidance and instruction, open to being given a new direction, may Christ reign your inner life. And finally, we have to make Christ the king of our physical lives, of our bodies. Now, of course, this would be a perfectly fine opportunity to talk about healthy eating and exercise, but you are still recovering from Thanksgiving dinner and your pants are snug and you have regrets about all the pie and I'm definitely not talking about me. But I'm not going to rub salt into your wounds or into mine. I want you to think about your body differently. As I was studying this text and preparing to preach this week, I was fighting with myself not to lean on the legacy of Dr. Olds or his influence on my life. It was so tempting. And frankly, it just felt a little bit desperate. But then something happened and I had to give in to God and I'm a little bit mad about it. On Monday, Susan Graham sent me an email out of the clear blue sky. She sent me this email. She had found an old picture of a prayer that was painted on the wall at Harvest Hands and she just, quote, thought I might enjoy it. The prayer by Dr. Old says this. Lord, give us eyes clear enough to see the hurt of the world and ears perceptive enough to hear your call. Give us a brain wise enough to figure a solution and a voice loud enough to tell of the need. Give us feet determined enough to seek out the alleys of misery and despair and hands sensitive enough to hug, mold, and heal. Give us a heart strong enough to endure the struggle and a spirit thankful enough to ask, what more may I do? I was stunned. Isn't that so, God? to put something in front of us that we can't ignore. In no uncertain terms, this prayer says, Christ is the king of my body, of my whole life. My eyes, my ears, my brain, my voice, my feet, my hands, my heart, my spirit, it is all God's. Every part of me is to be put to work for Christ's kingdom. May Christ truly reign in your body. May Christ reign in you and may Christ reign in this terribly broken world. While we state this message plainly to ourselves and to the world this Sunday, Christ truly is king every Sunday every day of the week, Christ is king. This is not simple and it's really not sweet. It is controversial and it is difficult especially when so many voices and powers and commitments and responsibilities try to assert their reign in our hearts. Especially when we are trying so hard to keep up and just pay bills and climb the ladder. But if Christ is king, we must, as the author of Ephesians says, see with the eyes of our heart the hope that is God's call on our life. The call to join up with the rest of the body of Christ who is at work alongside you bringing reconciliation to our world. Christ is king. The call to bring light to dark places, the lonely places, the greedy places, the oppressed places, Christ is king. This is the call to eradicate divisions that are built by political party and generations and zip codes and denomination and race and instead inspire unity in grace because Christ is king. This is the call to be an outpouring of radical love in action because Christ is king. And so as we reach the end of this year, I am not sure what you see in your looking back and I'm not sure what you see in your looking ahead. But as you look ahead, I hope you'll allow Christ to move in to every corner of your life and reign completely. Your family life, your social life, your professional life, your student life, your inner life, and your physical bodily life. I hope you'll see with the eyes of your heart the call that is before you. Christ is king. Amen.